This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Hansen. Thurley Ruxton by Philip Virrell Miguels. Chapter 22 Lady Bountiful. Saturday morning brought Thurley a second letter from her cousin. It was short and weakly scrawled, but yet sufficed to arouse a deep and insistent sense of shame in the breast of the generous girl. Her cousin was ill and in want. She had been for a week almost abandoned, too exhausted and afflicted to write, and hopeless with loneliness and the barren prospect of the future. She mentioned the fact that she had written before, but feared the letter had failed to reach its destination. Should this one share a similar fate, she knew not what to do. A burning little accusation seared its way to Thurley's heart. She had first neglected, then forgotten that first appeal absolutely. Engrossed with the joys and ecstasies of her own altered circumstances, she had carelessly permitted the lodgment of a heartless disregard of everyone else in the world, she told herself severely, for which she was heartily ashamed. She resolved to go to Edith at once, with material as well as personal comfort, and then she realized the danger of overdoing the role of Lady Bountiful, should she dare appear in any capacity save that of another fellow toiler with at most the savings of her hire. The wise thing to do was to take the case to Alice. This she did, and that wide-hearted friend of the race was immediately ready with assistance. "'You have never thrown away that suit you wore while working for the Major,' she said. "'Just put that on, and James can drive you to the Major's office. "'I'll ask him to take you to the house where your cousin lives, uh, "'leaving you, of course, at the door, and returning in half an hour at most to escort you away again. "'But why not let me run over to Madison Avenue cars and go down there by myself?' said thoroughly as long as i'm just a plain american girl why take all that needless trouble oh well very well said alice take as much money as you like my dear so long as it doesn't appear unreasonable and try to induce your cousin to leave new york uh, go to lakewood or atlantic city for an absolute change and rest tell her a friend of yours of a philanthropic turn of mine has heard her story and agreed to help you bear the expense a strange little feeling of impending fates attacked thurley's heart as she put away her dainty morning costume robed herself like a drab cinderella returning to her ashes and left the gorgeous palace for an excursion to a part of town long since abandoned to the needs of those to whom bare existence is a problem she bore two parcels in her arms one of fruit and one of flowers some way she felt as if something might occur whereby she would never more regain the splendid realm where chance and alice had placed her how much she loved this newer life could scarcely have been reckoned 
to surrender it now would be almost more than her eager heart could support and yet she did not hesitate to continue on her way with her customary courage she did not know that barely behind her loitered a man whose business it was to keep her in view and report her every action to the woman of the ice-cold eyes seen and dreaded at the horse-show when she boarded the car the man had already swung to the step exciting no suspicion in her mind he sat half the car length away apparently reading a paper but never for a second failing to keep her in the focus of his vision when at last she rose to alight at one of the overcrowded streets between fourteenth and twenty-third the shadow departed by the exit at the front of the car and managed to let her overtake and pass him before he moved when he crossed the street and appeared to be studying the numbers of the houses as he quietly followed when she rang at and entered the door at one of the old-fashioned brownstone houses in a room of which her cousin was slowly convalescing from nervous complications and fever the man in the street all eagerness to inform his confederates of thurley's whereabouts dared not for a moment leave the neighbourhood lest she presently emerge from the building and be lost at once to view thoroughly found miss deck much reduced yet able to be up and about the house in a languid dispirited manner edith was thoroughly astonished to see her thus appear having written as before to new haven in the absence of definite knowledge as to where her cousin might be found why thoroughly she cried when the door opened admitting her rosy-cheeked visitor oh i never was so glad to see anybody in my life and breaking down at once she cried uncontrollably thoroughly meantime having quickly advanced to throw her arms supportingly about her and draw her snugly against her sympathetic bosom there there she said coaxingly you poor dear girl i just got your letter this morning it came to the office so i asked permission to come just as soon as i could edith was older than herself and only girlish now in her helplessness yet to neither girl did the situation seem the least incongruous thoroughly was so entirely her cousin's superior i didn't think i had a friend in the world said edith continuing weak and shaken by the sobs of her sudden relaxation from the courage with which she had fought out her lonely battle i wrote you once before but the letter must have gone astray i saw someone a little like you and thought i'd give the world just to look at you again and then i became ill I thought I should die, and wished I might. The world is so full of women that nobody needs. But I won't be lugubrious, Thurley. I, I really won't. God bless you for coming so quickly. A new tide of shame swept upward from Thurley's heart, thus to be praised where she should be blamed, 
but she sat her cousin down and kissed away her tears then started a lively fusillade of cheers and questions while tearing the paper from three giant chrysanthemums and plunging their stems into a vase of broken crockery that stood on a dingy mantel-shelf it's a wonder we haven't met before she said i began to work in downtown office away back in the early part of the summer but a lot of the writing was the, the sort i could do at home and i was lonely too and trying to save my salary as much as possible so i didn't attempt to go out very much and new york is a great big place anyway and horrid some parts of it and you've got to promise me right this minute you'll go down to lakewood or atlantic city for a lady i know insisted upon it the very first thing when i told her about you this morning and i've brought you the money to pay all expenses for six or eight weeks or more edith sat up and stared thoroughly ruxton she gasped what in the world are you talking about i'd like to know i go away like that certainly said thoroughly don't you want to edith almost collapsed upon her breast in happiness and the sudden vanishment of struggle she cried again but softly now and in a manner to comfort her being you're taking your own precious money she said if you are you shan't i'll never budge a step for i know how hard it is to earn i'm not said thoroughly who had never felt a sense of actual ownership in the fortune placed at her order in the bank if you don't accept this offer cheerfully and bravely recognizing one woman's right and helping another i shall be ashamed ever to ask the giver again and you don't know what you may spoil for other girls it seems too good to be true said edith attempting a wistful smile what good would it do if i took your earnings thoroughly and then later on you should be in this condition yourself she waved her hand weakly to indicate the shabbiness of the apartment we'll not talk about that was thoroughly's answer i've been halfway promised that you shall have an easy position at a decent salary whenever you're well enough to come back to new york and accept it but the very first thing is to get you out of here and off where the change will be complete if you think you can go this afternoon the fairy godmother said she'd send round a carriage to drive you to the station i'll send you in a number of things she said you'd better have again edith stared in wan incredulity her hollow eyes big with astonishment Why? but think of think of the money all that means she exclaimed how does it happen how did you find her think of the trust she must have in thoroughly she must love you i'm sure love you dearly as everyone does you've ever known perhaps you can't tell me much about her they so rarely wish to be known but oh i think it's beautiful to be loved as they all love you thoroughly remained for about two hours and departed then at edith's reiterated wish 
the girl who had found the world so hard was over-solicitous lest her cousin abuse the privilege granted by some generous employer who had released her for the morning recurrent waves of conscious guilt at her inability to be absolutely frank and honest a little marred thurley's pleasure and gnawed rather deep especially at her cousin's appreciation of all she was attempting at last to do nevertheless the affection she bestowed was genuine as her sympathy was true and when she had gone she was happier by far than for any day since edith's first letter had come with lavish hand and a purse of magic resourcefulness she ordered outfits to be sent to the house that had harbored care she was followed persistently wherever she travelled by the man who had hung upon her trail when at length she went home a tired gleeful little person with at least the heart of a happy princess in her bosom the man was tremendously relieved he hastened away at once to report the unusual occurrences which supplied the first hope to a little clique of beings abnormally engrossed in the movements and doings of alice van kirk's protege edith departed in the afternoon but not before a representative delegated by the clique in question had made an excuse to call offer further aid and friendship and thereby secure in thurley's cousin a possible agent for future exploitation a woman wholly unknown to miss steck was then instructed to follow the girl to lakewood whither she was going and remain there keeping her constantly in view and if possible gain her trust and friendship edith had agreed to write to her cousin at major phipps's address and thereby hangs a tale alice having for some unknown reason undergone a certain worry in thurley's absence was not only inordinately pleased to see a return in such excellent spirits but was likewise thoroughly glad that edith steck was to go well, she must rest for at least two months she said at the end of thurley's story new york and she are better far apart uh, she might even secure a nice position down there in the pines i think perhaps she will she made a note of the possibility which thereupon became a highly probable development when the moment uh, should advise that either steck had better be detained away from the kingdom of princess thervinia chapter twenty two